0: Money FM 89.3, best of weekends.
1: International News Review. Good morning and welcome back to Money FM Saturday morning, our international news review. Steve Oaken back in the studio with us. Steve, good morning. Welcome back. It's great to be back. I'm,
0: you know, security was like, who are you? And, you know. <laughs> How soon they forget? I couldn't get in the building, but but it's, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. They do that to me, Steve.
2: <laughs> I've been here for four years. But honestly, I have to say, for the benefit of our listeners, when you came back into the room, there was a free song. There was a free <laughs> sort of excitement. It's like when I met Muhammad Ali. The just the air in the room changed. It's great to have you back. Okay, let's move yeah. on. Um, he doesn't how, allow any compliments on this show now, unless it's directed towards him. No, because we want to hear from Steve. We do.
1: How was your trip? You've been, you were in the US for almost two weeks. You were in Washington, D.C. in your role as the, the chairman of the American Chambers of Asia. Uh, you did what they call a door knock, which is you go around and you see um, uh, political leaders and think tanks and people like that. So give us kind of the overview of how it was, what you accomplished. Well, it was, it was great to be back in Washington. And this is the first
0: regional business mission uh, since COVID. Um, And so people were very excited to go. We had, I think, the biggest delegation we ever had. It was uh, 15 different AmCham's from all over the region. And so people were excited to go there to tell the people in Washington what's happening on the ground. And the people in Washington were very happy to see us and wanted to engage with us. So we had very high-level meetings, as as high-level as we've we've ever had. You know, senior officials from the White House, uh, Ambassador Bianchi, the deputy U.S. trade representative, uh, people from Commerce, from State, and then— you know, members of the Senate and the House. So, a really great meeting. Um, and I'll tell you, I think there's two things that I take away from it. One, there's a, a very increased recognition in Washington of the importance of of Asia Pacific. Second, we are on a trajectory for a Cold War between the U.S. and China unless something changes. And if anything, it's gotten worse since we got back uh, from from uh, Washington.
1: What are, you know, is, sorry, I just want to say just briefly, I, I smiled. Those of you that are on Facebook Live, you can see. I smiled when you said a, a new recognition of the importance of Asia. And I'm like, where the hell have these guys been for 50 years? Well, well I do It's wrestles, right? I mean, yeah. Well, because to go.
2: <laughs>
0: it's always – and certainly that, uh, if you look at it's Southeast Asia in particular, right? what's always been more important? Well, obviously it was U.S.-Soviet Union. Uh, and then it's the Middle East and you know, and, and, and oil and, and the energy issues and the crises we've always had. Had there um, and then, you know, it's it's <laughs> Europe and so no, I mean it's always never been the focal point. Uh, and there's a recognition that Southeast Asia, in particular, is much more important to in, the in, U.S. In what than way, Steve? Steve. Are we talking politically, economically, both? The reason I think Southeast Asia is much more uh, of a of a difference maker now is because it really think about it, it's the only place in the world where it is militarily important, right? The South China Sea. Yep. It is economically uh, important. Mm -hmm. It is diplomatically important. And it's the only place that hasn't chosen really between the U.S. and China. Now, the EU has chosen. Russia has chosen. Japan, Korea, Australia have all chosen other parts of the world. They're not as important in all of those areas as Southeast Asia. So this is the focal point. And Southeast Asia says, don't make us choose. We want to be friends with the U.S., we want to do business with Mm -hmm. China. We want to engage with the U.S. We want to engage with China. We want to have friendly relations with China. So here is where the competition is taking place. And it's why you see the Vice President coming, the Cabinet coming, Speaker Pelosi will be here in I think twenty four
1: hours or so in Singapore. And so it really is a different recognition today. Did you guys get any commitments on these door knocks? You know, are, are they willing to make any commitments to you on trade or, or efforts to move forward the trade agenda or, or anything like that? Are you well, hearing any?
0: Well, there's a like there's that? a the, the whole economic framework is under something called the Indo-Pacific right, economic framework. IPEF. IPEF yeah. that is being done in part on trade, which is the U.S. trade representative in part on like supply chains. And there's right. a clean pillar on decarbonization um, and, 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 and green policies. And that's done by commerce. So there's certainly a commitment to move forward Mm -hmm. on engagement. There's Mm -hmm. a commitment to work with the U.S. business community here on how best to move that forward. There's no commitment on what that means. That's a different <laughs> We're question.
2: committed to be committed. That's, that's committed <laughs> to be committed. Well, let's talk about that because I've been reading a lot of pieces this week. That sounds like Washington. Doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> a, a lot of Singapore-centric pieces about the American economy, right? Consumer confidence has collapsed. Inflation is causing real hardship in the U.S. Stock markets are jittery. Um, the whole cliche, you know, America sneezes, Asia gets a cold. Firstly, what is the mood regarding the possibility of the US tipping over into recession because depending on who you speak to and how recession is defined, everyone's playing semantics at the moment. Do they see that happening? One. And two, mm. what are the knock on effects for Singapore and Southeast Asia? Well I mean look recession, inflation,
0: that's the number one political issue yeah. in in Washington right now. It's and, right. and the question is is that it as you as we are now in a political season, the midterm elections are coming up, um, is that going to mean um because of the economic situation, the Republicans are going to take over at least the House or the Senate? Or can the Democrats change the debate and talk about what the Republicans have done and, and the Republican-appointed Supreme Court has done on taking away the constitutional right for, for women to choose whether or not uh, to have an abortion? Um, other issues that, that they can run against um, the Republicans on are uh, you know, gun control, um, will they stand up for same-sex marriage, all things that a majority of the country is in favor of mm-hmm. um, and, and that the Republican-controlled Supreme Court is opposing. And will how will that play out? What it means, of course, for, for, for the whole world, not just Southeast Asia, is when you have the largest economy, the United States, mm. um, having these jitters it, – it, it, passed economically. And you have COVID zero in China and that that is going to stay for at least another six months in the Chinese economy in its slowdown. It's those double things that are impacting everybody. So mm. everybody would like to see the Chinese economy approved from an economic perspective. No view that that's going to happen anytime soon. Hopefully the U.S. can get inflation under control and have a soft landing and not go into recession. But that is the big issue for so, everybody.
2: So, so the economic mood in all your meetings with Americans and Asians over there was was what generally recession is coming be prepared or maybe we'll dodge a bullet or what what was the mood? Oh, I, no, I mean, the mood is is not good at, yeah.
0: at, at best. From and, and the the question is, you have this blame game going on between the Democrats and the Republicans, the Republicans saying it's the massive uh, amount of money that came into the economy um, for COVID relief that has caused this inflation. And then the Democrats will look around and say, well, wait a second, we have less inflation in the United States than you have in, in the UK, yeah. than you have in much of the U. This is not a U.S. issue. This is a global issue and we're trying to uh, address it best we can.
1: We'll see what happens with voters come November who they agree with. Right. Let's uh, and uh, yeah, we'll be talking about this discussion in a couple of months, I think, when it really matters. But I would I would just interject one point, and that is nearly always the voting comes down to what what's going on with people's pocketbooks at that point in time. So all these other issues Always. are super important Always. the Supreme Court and all that. But I would say in my years of watching politics, Absolutely. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's in the like, lunch bucket. Right? Of course, that's the driver
0: except you haven't had a constitutional right taken away from half of the country ever. So mm. is that going to change things? And I mean, I you know, look, I walked by the Supreme Court multiple times and to see the fencing up around it, to say the Supreme Court is closed, you can't go onto the steps, you can't see it at all. This is a huge issue and when you see it's so depressing for me. You know, you walk by the Supreme Court. I've been in there multiple times. You you, you, you take your photos there. It's so beautiful. And it's all fenced mm-hmm. off for security reasons. Mm-hmm. It is a different atmosphere um, but, but to than Glenn's, it's been before.
2: to Glenn's point, I'm just reading, you know, prices have risen 9.1% to June. They're going to rise further. You've got soaring fuel costs for and for food and for shelter. Yep. Yep. The COVID pandemic continues. Global supplies are cut because of the Ukraine war. Energy prices are going through the roof. And this is going to spike, Steve, isn't it? Just before or during the midterm elections. Well, gas prices. As winter are... comes in; it gets colder. Energy prices go up,
0: and so on. Although gas prices have been coming down right. from very high levels, and and that's the question: Do you blame the Democrats and Joe Biden for Putin's invasion of Ukraine? Yeah. Do you blame the Democrats? Americans won't care, though.
1: Well, it's right. unclear. Nobody ever does. Uh, if they didn't mean, care about they, the UK they care with what Boris they Johnson at the pump, and yeah. that, you know, in my in my. Uh, in my view of, of history and the way it's happened in the past. I mean, did they blame Jimmy Carter for the the oil shock? No. I mean, yes, they did. Was it his fault? No, it wasn't. So, you know, I don't know. I think Americans are pretty simple when it comes to that. Okay. Let's talk about Nancy Pelosi. The speaker of the house is going to be here in Singapore. She's bringing in a group of six people, including the representative from Illinois, from the eighth district, in which I was mm. born, he's not my current representative. I'm in the sixth, uh, the U.S. congressional sixth. It's not about um, but, you. It's not about you. But they are, uh, but I, actually, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Raja Krishnamurthy because he is he's a really interesting guy, and he's the chairman of the subcommittee on economic and consumer policy, which is uh, which is quite important as well. This big group's coming in. Um, let's leave Taiwan on the side for a moment. We'll get to it in a minute. What what would you expect to have happen as they are coming into Singapore? Tomorrow.
0: Well, I mean, this is all part of the U.S. looking at the importance of Southeast Asia. Mm. You Again, you've had the vice president come. You've had the secretary of state, the secretary of defense. Um, you now have you've had the U.S. trade representative. You now have the speaker of the House coming and bringing a delegation with her um, to go to Singapore, to go to Malaysia. And so it is about the importance of the entire U.S. government recognizing the competition the United States is in with China. China in Southeast Asia um, that we have been falling behind, Mm -hmm. because if you look at uh, from a trade and engagement, the U.S. not in the TPP, China in the regional comprehensive economic partnership, trade agreement with all of ASEAN, you see Billions and billions and billions of dollars pouring in from China with the Belt and Road Initiative. You do not have an equivalent from the United States, so it's time to really focus on Southeast Asia. And that's the strong message you get from
2: everybody coming here, including Speaker Pelosi. So let's get to our listeners' question, Ian. Why does Nancy Pelosi have to visit Taiwan? He follows up with, of course, he sends a very awkward conversation and moments of silence between biden and see this is of course referring to the telephone conversation that both presidents had this week which lasted an exact two hours and 17 minutes you know i love the fact they record all of this not and uh chinese president warned president biden not to play with fire over taiwan in the context of that should pelosi go to taiwan how does this play out okay it, it, look the u.s and china
0: are on that uh, trajectory towards a cold war um the Competition, that the way the U.S. is framing the relationship, China does not like. China has said that it is a mistake to define the U.S.-China relationship in terms of competition. You have the U.S. having put tariffs on China under President Trump that President Biden has kept on. You've had much stronger language um, towards uh, the towards Taiwan uh, in support of Taiwan from the United States that you had in the past. So in all of this context, you now have the Speaker of the House um, potentially planning to go to Taiwan. There has been no official of announcement. And so that is critical to keep in mind. Mm. But it is um, part of the trajectory the U.S. is on towards Taiwan. It is totally consistent with Nancy Pelosi's Personal view um, of China. I mean, remember in 1991, she went to China and she unfurled a banner um, a, about Tiananmen uh, and the and the, the the massacre that occurred there. And that that is something that was extremely pr- provocative in 91. So that's who she is. I mean, she really believes um, that uh, that the the U.S. needs to be much tougher towards communist China. And so that's what plays into all of this. And It is in a different era, though, than what happened in 1991. It's in a different era than what happened in 1997, the last time a Speaker of the House went. Newt Mm. Gingrich. So she's not setting precedent by going, um, but it is something that is going to have to be really thought through as to whether or not she goes. Just to follow up.
2: Sorry, Glenn. Just to follow up from that. Yes, you're right. She's 82. She's getting closer to retirement She's looking to cement her legacy, as you mentioned there, as a champion of Taiwan. And that's great from a personal point of view. There'll be wonderful biographies written about Pelosi. But in the cut and thrust and pragmatism of geopolitics, on a broader sense, is it necessarily the right thing to do? That is the debate that is going on. And I'm on one
0: side of that debate amongst all my China watcher friends and former officials in the U.S. Look, on the one hand, you say... Look, we have three co-equal branches of government. Speaker Pelosi is equal. president biden under our constitution she she can go if she wants to go so that is her right to do under our constitution she also can be looking this as it's the right thing to do to to show support for taiwan she can also be looking this as one of the comments said from a political perspective the democrats can show in the midterms coming up that that the they are as tough on china as the republicans and standing up to china in this highly visible way, is very good for the Democrats politically going into the midterms. Now, there are reasons not to go. And when you have, you know, President Xi telling President Biden, you are playing with fire when you do things like that. And those who play with fire get burned that is a reason to say, is this the right time to go? Does this send the right message? No. So it is still no. playing out as to whether or not she's going to be there. And there are
1: other ways for her to accomplish her goal without going to uh, Taiwan. Beijing announced that they're going to have live fire exercises today, oh. later on today, yep. uh, 120 kilometers right. uh, from uh, Taiwan you know, and a small Island there. No surprise. Right. Uh, the, apparently they had said that they will be limited. So they aren't trying to ramp it up too much, but they're sending the signal, um, that they are noticing and they are not happy about it. And uh, again, it just, from what I've heard, the Department of Defense, the Pentagon has asked her or has said, this is not a good idea. Um, and so when you start going against your own military um, and, and for what appears to be a political aim, um, I'm, I don't I don't think that's very smart. Um, and we are at a moment that is, that is, there's a lot of tension about a lot of things. I, I just don't see other than a, a good political photo op uh, for for her, what the, what the benefit is. And I don't even think it's going to help that much with the midterms. I don't think Americans care about this. I We're, mean, the Taiwanese-American community obviously does, yeah. and rightly so. But the majority of voters couldn't put...
2: Taiwan on a map if there was one country on that map they couldn't point to it. that was exactly the point I was just to add to Glenn's point you know I'm reading reports that Biden doesn't want to be seen as being soft on China when his approval ratings are 40 percent but to Glenn's point in the in the Rust Belt states in middle America in, in suburban America do they really even? They're going to care about, about the cost of
1: gasoline in their car. I will tell you, they <laughs> certainly <laughs> but the care. Political <laughs>
0: ramifications could be huge. Okay. In yeah. Washington, they really, really care about China. They care what's happening sure. in the U.S.-China sure. relationship. You look at all of the legislation, bipartisan that has passed. You had the Uyghur Forced Labor Protection Act, which has said. From the U.S. perspective, because there is a genocide in Xinjiang from the Chinese government, we are going to ban um, the imports of any goods that come from Xinjiang because the presumption is if it's from Xinjiang, there has been forced labor. I get it. Yeah. You have the sanctions against um, all the officials in Hong Kong. You have the CHIPS Act, which just passed the, the – the, uh, the, uh, the the act that's given $52 billion to have semiconductor chip manufacturing in the United in the US, States. Yeah. The Congress is absolutely unified for you know, all... Really, it's unified, sure. bipartisan. And that this, it fits within that. Now, Glenn... That's there, my question, though. How does this, act, this trip actually fit within that? It, right? it fits within it because it shows we are not going to let t- t- China, we are not going to let President mm-hmm. Xi, we are not going to let the Communist Party dictate what we do. We have... Gone to Taiwan in the past, we've had senior visits in the past, we've had past speakers go, and now they tell us we can't go? Yeah. Well, if we, we look weak if we can't go. I mean, that's the argument. Now, I think there are face-saving ways out of this. Yeah. You could, for example, have... You know, Speaker Pelosi is going to Japan. Maybe you have President Tsai of Taiwan meet with her in Japan. So you have the meeting, except it's not in Taiwan. That's a step back. And so both sides can have face saving there. Maybe Speaker Pelosi says, look, I never confirmed I was going to go now. Let me go next year. After the midterms, when she 's not the Speaker of the House, shows she still gets to go, she still gets to show yeah. that, that that what her position is, but it 's different when she goes not as the number three person in the United States government, so there are possibilities that this still doesn 't go through. I am in the minority thinking that there's that the the, the trip won 't that her visit won 't happen now on right. on this coming week. Most people think that she is going to go and that it really could lead to maybe, uh, you know, it's some type of accident that, that neither side is prepared for.
2: Right. Yeah. I want to quickly get our listener in. Ian says, it looks like the ambiguity stance of the U.S. towards one China, two systems is contradictory to what the U.S. is now going to do. And just to add to his second point, and this is one we haven't considered, it just creates more cross-border tensions between China and Taiwan. That's a very good point for me, because I mean, you have to wonder about Taiwan in all of this. A lot of Taiwanese have come out and said, we don't want this trip right We don't right need now. this right yeah. now. Is we got another piece.
0: Well, I mean, that's... If, if certainly if President Tsai was to go to Speaker Pelosi and say, look, you can let's just say that China, you know, the, the, the mainland, is completely overreacting to this. This isn't precedent setting, but they have completely overreacted. The tensions are now so high, let's take the high road and not come now right. um, and find another way to achieve this. That is a possibility. So you say, look, we have every right to go except the tensions that this is causing which are completely, uh, the fault of one side, um, mm. are a reason to back down. So I don't know where, where president is, but I will tell you, this is by far the number one issue in the United States right now
1: from a geostrategic and foreign policy perspective. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I was going to ask you to give us two sentences on the Biden Xi phone call. Cause we're running up against time right now. Anything accomplished there? Well, no,
0: nothing was, was was accomplished. It's good that they talked, yep. um, but the tariffs yep. didn't come off, economics didn't come down, nothing happened. So, so let's see if, if they meet in Bali at the G20. That's the if they do, if that gets scheduled, then it'll be a sign that the the relationship hopefully um, hasn't bottomed out yet. But we it's great go. to have you back, You're <laughs> a blue chip you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at MoneyFM893.sg.